In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I'm Brittany. And today's guest has an incredible story. Um, She went from being a homeless single mom to launching many very successful businesses, including founding Black Moms Blog, an online community discussing parenting, culture, and lifestyle from a Black mom's point of view. And among other things, she is the author of Osis, You're Pregnant, Shanisha Boswell. Welcome, Shanisha. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi, we're so excited to have you. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good. My daughter and I just got back from Belize about three days ago. So I'm yeah. I'm feeling great. A little sad to be home, but good nonetheless. So That's so fun. Were you there just for a vacation? Yeah, we were there visiting some friends for about two weeks. Nice. That's great. Post-vacation blues are a thing. It's real. <laughs> Thanks. So here we are. <laughs> uh, so, Shadisha, you are actually a part of our OG Betches Moms crew in our launch video. And so we're so excited to finally learn more about your story. And also, I was so excited. This was like a couple of months ago now, but I popped into one of your lives and you were rocking our cool mom sweatshirt. So that was fun. <laughs> I lived in, in the wintertime. I lived in. It's OK. It, that, that sweater was so comfortable. So comfortable. It was I mean, I literally wore it embarrassingly for like a week straight once like it was I love that sweatshirt well I do it all the time (laughs) yeah Aileen doesn't have it (laughs) I need to get it (laughs) okay so I mentioned your story in the intro and I like literally cannot wait to hear you talk about it so can you tell us your story tell the audience you know how you got to where you are right now yeah so I, I talk about my story a lot and like I tell moms all the time and women in general I'm like always tell your story I started off as a stay-at-home mom. I I had my daughter when I was 23 years old. I got pregnant at 22. And I always say getting pregnant that young felt like becoming pregnant out of high school. Like, I felt like I was still in high school with the baby. And so I was in a relationship with her father. Things didn't work out. And my daughter and I had nowhere to go. And so I found myself for about six months staying with friends. And so I always tread lightly. I say I was homeless, but I had such a strong support around me that I did have a place to stay. But in six months, I started to monetize my community at Black Mom's Blog, which I had had at that point for about a year. And I was able to move into the old apartment that my ex kicked us out of. And that was five years ago. And so it's definitely been a real journey of um, of resilience and forgiveness. And really just like I always tell women, finding a way to tap back into your power and understand that just because your story isn't a certain place in that moment. It doesn't have to live there. You don't have to live in that place of, of victimization is, is how I like to put it. So that's a, that's a very 
summarized version of, of what's happened over the last five years. So can you share, you said while that was happening, you were already working on Black Moms blog. So can you tell us about kind of how you, what made you start that and, you know, how, how it's going? Yeah, so I started Black Moms Blog because I wanted to create a space within the already marginalized space of parenthood to positively reflect Black motherhood. I felt like it wasn't being seen. Um, that's one part of it. The other part was that I just needed to build community. We talk about it all the time about how lonely it is in motherhood and needing, you know, a support circle around you. And sometimes if you can't touch into them physically, then I found that online is a great space because we're all busy. We have so many different versions of our lives happening. And sometimes you just need to be able to log online and, and find your find your people. And so that's what I created with Black Moms Blog. I started that, I believe, in 2016, in December of 2016, and nothing like it existed on the internet. And so it, it grew fairly quickly. And this is, you know, years ago before we knew about, I knew about influencer marketing. So I'm yeah. just sitting here like tattering away on my computer. <laughs> And someone was like, hey, you know, you can actually like make a business out of this, right? And I always say like the best business to start that way. Yeah. When they don't start with the intention of like, I'm going to be this, you know, quote unquote, great brand instead of just like from the passion of my heart, I'm doing this because I need help. <laughs> I need support. And so that's kind of what I was doing when when all of these different transitions in my life started to take place. And that was a struggle. I can't, I can't lie to you because you're, you're teetering the fence of, do I quit my business and, you know, get a full-time nine to five job? And that just wasn't an option for me because I think after going from being a stay-at-home mom for so long, every job option required me to be away from my daughter in a way that I just couldn't imagine that being my life. So I had to figure it out. Yeah, it's tough. So do you feel like having the Black Moms blog while you were going through all of this kind of like helped you in a huge way, kind of saved you a little bit? Yeah, I think like, like I would tell anyone, the beautiful part about social media is that it does allow you to chronicle your life, right? And so as you're going through these different stages, it's almost like an online diary. It's almost like a, um, it's an online diary and it's kind of like a, a place to put some of the mess. And so I think for me back then, when I was going through these things, I really connected with a lot of moms that were um, maybe single mothers or going through divorce or going through separation as a way to know that I wasn't alone. And I think that's the beautiful thing that we find out on this big worldwide web is that while in our personal lives, we feel like we're the only ones going through these problems or these issues or this nor this unnormalcy when it comes to our relationships, you go online and you find that there's other women experiencing motherhood, life, womanhood at the same stage that you are. And so that's one way that Black Moms Blog really helped to keep me grounded. And because I'm a writer, I was able to write through a lot of this. So I've written articles about how I consider myself a non-traditional mom. I think at that time, five years ago, there was a lot of the cookie cutter mom, right? She was white, blonde hair. She had a three-story home. She had been married to her high school sweetheart since she was 18 and a half years old. She had three kids and, you know, white picket fence. And that wasn't my life. I lived in a tiny apartment. I didn't have the Martha Stewart kitchen. You know, my, my kid was homeschooled and, you know, didn't wear a shirt 90% of the time. And I was just like, where's, where's that representation of me and also being a Black woman on top of that? Where am I at? 
And so Black Mom's blog helped me in that way to, I guess, kind of like walk more comfortably and more confidently in who I was without feeling like I was so alone in the world. So it definitely helped me get through that time. Um, and knowing that I had a responsibility, I had something that I had to come back from, not just for my daughter, but I had created this brand in this business. I had to pick myself up off the ground and keep going. It gave me something to look forward to. Yeah, that's amazing. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. So also part of the reason you founded Black Mom's blog, because you noticed a lot of the other mom blogs were focused on the baby, not the mom. And I could attest to that. It's there. And I feel like recently there's been so many more things coming out that like really do help the mom, but it's always been about the baby and we need to take care of ourselves. So it was, tell us about reclaiming your womanhood in all of this. Yes, that is such a beautiful point. I think back then, everything I'd seen online was like, how to get your baby to do this and buy your baby's food? And how do you make sure your baby's happy? And I'm like, where's mom in this yeah. conversation? Seriously. Like, is she not tethered to this child? And so it was such a, it was such an unrealistic expectation when it came to motherhood that you were just going to get into this and you were going to thrive and you were just going to renounce your old life. And I think it's important for a lot of us to remember, especially like if you're listening to this podcast or if you follow B&B, we're millennials. Okay. I know that term is sometimes not respected, but we're <laughs> young. I love to still go out with my friends and have a good time. Mm -hmm. I love to, you know, travel. I like to have time to myself. And I felt like I had been fast forwarded into like my 75 year old self. I was like, there has to be more to life than this. And so I always say there's a clear distinction between womanhood and motherhood. And you can't martyr yourself into motherhood that you forget that you're a woman mm -hmm. and that you deserve things for yourself. I think that I've learned a lot of my selfishness and self-worth from men because men are just so quick to be like, Hey, babe, uh, I'm going to the bar. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they'll, they'll lock themselves in the bathroom and, you know, sit on the toilet for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Moms, we feel like we have to get permission 
every single thing. There's this intense mom guilt around letting your mother, you know, your mother watch the baby for two days and everyone's like, where's the child? And I got to a point when I would be out and I would say, don't ask me about that right now. I'm, I'm having a night out with my friends. I don't want to talk about motherhood yeah. right now. And so just that's what I mean when I say there's a separation and we have to start to embrace that. We don't live for our children. We live for ourselves and our children benefit from seeing a happy and healthy whole mother thrive. And especially if we have girls, they're raised with that self-image to know that it's okay to take up space for themselves, which in some ways we didn't see growing up. We saw moms do what? Everything for their families. They never took time to themselves. And I just... I'm tired of that narrative. Yeah. What do you think, like, what's some practical advice that you could give um, women listening who feel like they want to, you know, reclaim the womanhood, you know, put the motherhood sort of second just for a minute. What can they do? Because they feel like exactly how you're saying. I think it takes baby steps. I know that I'm speaking from a space of I've been here for years. And so I never expect for women to, listen to something like this and say, I'm free tomorrow night. I'm going out with the girls and this is it. So take, take baby steps and be gentle with yourself. And so it's just small things. I mean, it's, it's cliche and corny as it may sound, taking the Snickers bar and eating it alone in the closet, you know, taking five minutes to yourself is necessary. And that's where you start, right? I think as mothers, sometimes we learn how to survive, but we don't learn how to thrive yeah. in motherhood. And so thriving is a, is a real actionable um, step that requires a lot of practice. It's like I tell moms, if you're not used to running the bubble bath for yourself at night, because we always say that self-care, run the bubble bath, put the, the candles and all the scents in the water. And if that's not something you're used to, if you're used to taking the five minute shower and jumping into bed and taking care of the kids, when you do take the 30 minutes to sit in the bathtub, you're going to be sitting there wiggling your toes. Like, what am I doing here? It's going to feel really awkward. Yeah. Like you have too much time with yourself and you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> I don't, it's so awkward. She just wants me to look at the bubble. Like, what do I do? And so I, I say, you know, learning to love yourself is a, is a practice as well. And you have to keep going with it. So even though it feels awkward at first, it feels awkward because you're not used to doing it. You're not used to once again, taking up space and, saying, no, I can't show up for that because I have to do some self-care. And so I say, keep practicing. Um, start off with a bubble bath, just one day a week, and then try it twice a week until it becomes a normal part of your routine where you know when it hits, you'll sit there and you'll take a deep breath and you'll breathe through it. And it's almost like an excel comes out of your body. And that's when you know you've, you've, you've reached your level of, of zen and it can, that can take some time. So be gentle with yourself and your process. I love that. I yeah. also really liked your point earlier about like for those who do have partners to yeah. sort of allow them to, or not even allow, well, sometimes it's allowed <laughs> or ask and, and sometimes maybe demand <laughs> that yeah. they, you know, take over for a bit. It's, and I, I think that you make a good point about like the guilt because that takes some convincing of yourself to do that. Like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'll just do it better. I'll just, you know, but it is so important to put yourself first in that moment, even if it's just to go out to get a manicure, like something like just I really like that. So um, I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> I have like the chills here. You talk about all that because it's so nice to hear when like somebody just like hears you and is like, you're so right. Like I, I need to do this for myself because you never really hear that. 
And it really, it, it touched me for sure. <laughs> and I want to speak to like the stay at home moms a lot because I know they feel a lot of guilt or the work at home moms even, you know, it's like you, your job is to take care of your child, but people don't understand that for mothers, our job starts from the moment we open our eyes and to the time we close our eyes, there is no break in between. And it's hard to ask for help, especially from our partners. And sometimes we assume that men think like we think. And so we're like, doesn't he see me going through all of this? And it's always challenged women to speak up and use their voice and, and, and ask for what it is that they want and talk through it with their partners about what this really looks like for them. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking time to yourself to do, even if it's just an hour. So ask for those things. And yes, require your partner to show up just because you had the child and you're the stay at home mom or even the working mom, even more so require for your partner to do a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with that. So true. Let's talk about your book. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what can people expect to read about? Yes. So I wrote a book. It's called Oh, Sis, You're Pregnant, The Ultimate Guide to Black Pregnancy and Motherhood. And I wrote this book because I felt like there wasn't a book out there that spoke to my experience as a Black woman, for one, and spoke in a tone that I felt like I could relate to, right? And I'll say this as a Black woman, I, I was speaking with a woman a few weeks ago, and she says, you know, everybody knows when you get pregnant, you buy that book with that white woman on the front <laughs> of it. You know the book, right? I know everybody it. Knows I know it. <laughs> and even even just past the color of her skin, it's like and and that book is was phenomenal. It did a lot for me as well. Like I learned a lot of things, but the tone of it, it was just like going to a doctor and you know, all the books were so medically inclined and they didn't speak to my experience as a young black woman going through pregnancy. And as we know as well, when it comes to the statistics with black birth and the black maternal health rate. Black women are three to six more times likely to die during childbirth. So the conversation is just different, right? It's more about advocacy and learning to speak up for yourself and not being intimidated. And then when you look at the rates of Black women who end up birthing as single mothers, there's just a different level that comes with talking about having a baby. And I think that with motherhood in general, a lot of the books, once again, are about the baby you find out that your belly is going to be the size of a cantaloupe and your fingers are going to swell and your ankles are going to swell, but they're not telling you how to financially prepare for the birth of this child. They're not talking to you about the awkward conversation you have to have with your mom when you tell her you don't want her in the hospital room because <laughs> she gets anxiety. You know, you're not learning how to get your sexy back. Like yeah. we have sex. This is what gets us pregnant. And this is the one thing in motherhood that no one wants to talk about. It's like this, taboo topic and now that you breastfeed your breasts no longer belong to you because you're a baby milk making machine and it's like no actually these things feel good when my partner sucks on them a little bit and I want to <laughs> figure out how to get back to that level of joy yeah right so these are things that I talk about in OSIS as well as um, there are different medical provider or, um, providers who are part of the book, who interviewed for the book. So we have Dr. Heather Irabunda, who is an OBGYN that talks about the different health issues that Black women face in pregnancy, like diabetes and high blood pressure. We also have Agatha Achindu, who's a nutritionalist. We have a midwife, um, Ayanna Davidson, and a lactation uh, consultant who also weighs in on the book about different parts of motherhood. So. It's a it's a beautiful book. I don't say that just because I wrote it. 
it just really is something that we've been waiting for for so long and didn't realize that that we needed it when it came to black birth. So that's a little bit about the book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds amazing. And it's so true. Like we're not taught about the financials or, or, you know, sex emotional. after birth or the emotional. And that's also another reason why we wanted to start Betch's Moms in this podcast to talk about those things as well, because like, I didn't know any of this until, <laughs> you know, I had my son. So I didn't know that you birthed the placenta. You know why? Me neither. I never made it to the end of the pregnancy book because it was too hard to read. It's too big. I struggled the first 200 pages and quit because I was like, this is unrelatable. And so I was sitting there after I birthed my daughter and I felt this pressure. And the woman says, oh, it's time to push again. I was like, push what? <laughs> well, I'm done. Yeah. And she was like, you have to birth the placenta. So that part, these very important things that we completely miss because it's not engaging enough. And we're in like this society now where if you don't catch catch my attention in the first five seconds, you lose me forever. Sure. So it's like, how do you how do you get this across to women so that they are prepared so that they can have healthy pregnancies and, you know, flourish in motherhood if, you know, you got to not lose them right away. So. Yeah. It's so funny, though, too, about like the cover of the book. Like, I'm pretty sure she's like in khakis or something like you <laughs> lost me at khakis. <laughs> <laughs> just once again being a black woman like I don't know if, if you've ever experienced that type of alienation like when the the entire world is you are the minority even when it comes to the pregnancy mm -hmm. you know it, it, when I so funny story with my publishing company they mocked up this cop this cover for this book and it was like this pregnant ambiguous brown woman and it was like a vector image bouncing on a yoga ball. And I was like, there's no way in hell that I would put in that cover of my book. I wouldn't promote this. I hate it. Yeah. Like it was horrible. And so I'm a photographer. So those oh. images, I took those pictures. I took all the pictures for the book. And I told them, I said, I want to represent real motherhood. I want black bellies. I want a belly with stretch marks. I want a belly with clothes on. I want a belly without clothes because I need a woman to look at this book and say, wow, I see myself in this book. And that vector image that they sent me, and I love my publishing company. So Mango, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I, I promise it's nothing personal. But it reminded me of what I see a lot in motherhood, which was a picture with brown paint poured on top of it. And they're like, that's a black woman. And right. I'm like, she doesn't even feel like a black woman. That doesn't even, yeah. that's not, we're, we're a cultural experience. We're feeling, it's something that you smell that picture did not do it any justice for what that book represented. And a vector image just in general of a woman is like the, the least relatable yeah, <laughs> type of design as well. Like we're not, it's not, there's no, I love how you talk about stretch marks too. Like that's a reality. A belly is not always cute and just a basketball. Like, you know, that's, um, that's really important too. Yeah. To but we, we cover, we cover some heavy topics and, I think one of the most controversial topics we do talk about in the book is abortion. Um, and I remember someone said, well, why would you put a chapter about abortion in a pregnancy book? And I said, well, you know, a lot of women have had abortions and they're struggling with the guilt of what it looks like to get pregnant again. And no one's talking to them. No one's talking about what that looks like, because I think people think even with abortion, it's like this flyby thing you just go do and you go on about your life. And 
what about the woman who experienced that at 17, 18 years old, and now she's pregnant at 25 or 30, and she is feeling guilty for this thing. And so for me, I just, I could not, there's so many parts of this that I could not talk about when it came to pregnancy that I just felt like we weren't seeing. And that was one of them. Yeah. That is important. Also something people don't talk about. You talked about just black maternal health in general and, you know, how we can lower the racial disparities around maternal mortality. Can you share more about that? Um, I tell people in general that black maternal health, the statistics aren't low because of genetics. It's not like we're just inclined to die more, right? There are some, there are some health issues that black women may face a little bit more, but a big part of the statistics is that we're just not listened to. Um, there was a report that came out last year where a doctor stated that uh, it's been reported that doctors think that patients that are black and brown can experience pain on a different level. And so I think for women in general, what I tell them is just to learn to speak up. And I think as a black woman, um, we're always told that if we're loud, then we're the angry black woman or you're being ghetto or you're being, you know, you're being all these things. And so when you walk into this doctor's office, you're already looked at as a statistic. You know, they're looking for your wedding ring. If it's not on your finger, they think that you just ended up pregnant and now you're on Medicaid and, and no one's listening to you. No one's hearing you out. And it's not just something that pertains to money because Beyonce has spoken out about this. Serena Williams has spoken out about this. We're just not checked, you know? And so even in my own birthing experience, when I had my daughter, I'm laying there and I remember there was a nurse in front of me and she says to the OB, she says, is she supposed to be bleeding this much? And the, the doctor's like, she's fine. She doesn't come check. She doesn't do anything. And thank God I was fine, but let it have been a situation where I wasn't. That's what happens in these hospitals and, and these things when it comes to black women birthing. And so what I always tell black women, which is a big part of OSIS, you're pregnant, advocate, 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 hire the birth worker, hire the doula, the midwife, go to the classes, have these very intense conversations with your birth, with your birth provider, whether it be an OB or whomever, this is going to be one of the most vulnerable times in your life and you should speak up. And if something doesn't feel right, you have to speak up. I don't care if you scream it. I don't care if you yell it. If it's not enough, don't worry about what it looks like mm -hmm. because it can save your life. And I think in general, um, that's just important. And even as we're talking about it here on this podcast, we're in, we're able-bodied, able mind. When you're laying in that hospital room or that birthing center and you're, you've been pushing and you've been in labor for 15 hours, that energy level is so low mm -hmm. that you, you don't realize how hard it is to actually advocate for yourself. And that's why it's important to hire the doula and the midwife or prepare your partner for what advocacy looks like so it can save your life. That's really interesting, especially you're saying that like, you know, you need to have your voice and how, you know, a lot of black women feel scared to do that. And that's something to bring to all of our attention and you take that stigma away because that's a horrible yeah. statistic. It's, all, it's, 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 it's very sad. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I've, when I've, I've sat on many panels and I've spoken about what black birth looks like for us. Um, and how, as a black woman, having your baby, when you go for your six week checkup, they're forcing birth control and, you know, these different things down your throat because they don't want you to get pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a logical person. So I understand, you know, you have the mom that has five kids and all these things you want her to be prepared and safe. But this happens even when that's not the case. It could be first baby. It could be, 
you know, the single, it could be so many things and how that birth experience is just not as accepted as it's not as welcomed. Um, and thinking about how scary that is, you're already entering this new part of your life. And now you feel like you did something wrong. You know, that's not a good feeling. So yeah, it's, it's so important. What advice or tips do you have for young parents to talk to their young kids about race and introduce diversity in their lives early on? Yeah, I I love this question because I think we spoke about this a lot last year with the riots and protests going on and the murder of George Mm -hmm. Floyd. And the country was so angry because we didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was a lot of finger pointing. Um, But I'm a I'm a mother like most of us are mothers. And we know that the conversation looks different for kids. Right. You can't run into your child's room and say, don't hate, don't do this. These people are equal. And I wrote about this in my New York Times article about speaking to children about diversity and race. It's really just teaching them empathy and love. Racism is not a born in behavior. You're not born racist. You learn to be racist. So with children, you don't have to unlearn them from being racist. You have to teach them how to love. You have to teach them about acceptance. And some of those things come into play with making sure that their rooms are reflective of all people, right? Especially in a world where the world is so white. And I I travel quite a bit. I've been to different countries and the country is still catering towards white America, right? Because it fuels their tourism. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you are that white person and it's so uncomfortable because I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, I'm not racist. You know, this isn't my fault. Why, why do I have to bear the weight of the responsibility? But I tell parents, I say, hey, look at it not as um, an attack, but look at it as how can I be better for my kids? So making sure that their their toys reflected. My daughter should have, you know, dolls of all the, the different diasporas. She should have books that uh, don't just look like her. I love character books with animals because they have no race, color, skin, female, male. They're just an animal. Mm-hmm. And so this is how we teach them diversity, right? We... Um, allow them to experience cultural differences that we're not used to. I love the Discovery Channel. I love watching shows about what uh, people from different cultures eat like and what's traditional to them. And so it's almost like you have to be overly intentional about teaching that so that it kind of just becomes normal in their life that they see these different people living lives in different ways. And it's like, oh, well, this is how my friend from Korea celebrates, you know, her December. So I just, I think it's super important for that. I like how you say to turn on like the discovery channel, because I hear all the time, it's like, go oh, get this book, get that book, make sure you have like all these different books and dolls, which obviously you're saying is an, is an amazing thing, but I'm definitely going to go. I, I want to now watch more discovery channel. Cause I think that's, I think that's so smart because to have your three-year-old seeing something that you know, they wouldn't typically see and you could sit there and explain it to them and explain culture to them. I think that's so important. And I love, yeah. I love that tip. Yeah, it's, it's very, yeah. I, I think overall, it's just children need to see more diversity. It's the world's opening back up. So we're traveling more. I always encourage moms to travel with their kids. Like don't just go to Florida, you know, take them, take them somewhere where they can really see And for me, and I know it's a privilege to travel in the way that we travel, but I love to go for long periods of time so that we can kind of really immerse ourselves into the culture. And so like 
even being in Belize for two weeks. And we went to Jamaica and Bahamas. Um, we've been to Colombia. She's been a lot of different places so that she can just really get a, world, a real worldwide view about also how privileged we are. We have food in our fridge. We have air conditioning. We have cars we can drive. You know, if she needs something, we can order dinner on Grubhub. And um, we were in Belize this past week and we went to go river tubing and we get to the river and there's a family of Mayans, you know, my, the Mayan culture is, is very traditional there and they're washing their laundry in the river. And so just, you know, seeing these traditional practices among different cultures lets her gain an appreciation for who she is and what she is. And I think we have to stop saying we don't see color because when you say you don't see color, you're denouncing a person's entire experience that's sometimes wrapped into their color. Instead, we have to learn how to love other people so that we can appreciate ourselves, right? Because that's the only way. It's a one-sided view if you only love yourself. You got to learn to love other people. And then you could say, I recognize your difference and I see my difference and I love them both. And that, that goes far with children. I love that. Yeah, Absolutely. And it really helps them like when they're outside of the home, they're in school and they, once they've experienced or learned about diversity, then they make a lot of the other children feel more comfortable or more like they belong and more welcome. And that child's experience then becomes better. So that's really important. And I love the idea of like experiencing different cultures at a young age, because then their bubble is first. (laughs) This isn't life for everyone, you know? And I just want to add one more. Music is also a good introduction. Music is universal, the sound of music. And that's an easy one they can dance to from from all over the world, too. So that's a good starting place for parents. Totally. All types of culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you so much. Um, How can people, you know, get in touch with you, check out Black Mom's blog, read your book, everything you have going on. And if you have anything else coming out, please let us know, let the audience know. So yes, you can find me at ShanishaBoswell.com, at ShanishaBoswell on Instagram, for my mamas, BlackMomsBlog.com, at BlackMomsBlog on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. And Oh, Sis, You're Pregnant is wherever books are sold. You can find it on Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. Type it into the Google search <laughs> bar and it'll pull it up for you. Um, we've launched a private community, which is BlackMomsBlogCommunity.com. And over on that platform, we'll be having book clubs and uh, we have a course coming up this Sunday called Traveling with Children 101. And it's everything you need to know to prepare your children for uh, for travel. And so we do fun things like that. So if you're interested in that, that's blackmomsblogcommunity.com. That's great. That sounds preparing. I don't have a kid yet. I'm pregnant, but I'm preparing a kid to travel scares me. So it's very um, exciting. <laughs> Not, believe me, it's not mimosas on the beach and then have time. a whole different experience traveling. Just the so. idea of folding a stroller. I can't. <laughs> um, checking one. Well, thank you so much. And that is it for this episode of Betcha's Mom's Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Like Shanisha said, put it in Google. And I'm Aileen at Aileen. Brittany's at Brit Rich. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Please stop talking. 
The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.